down. Oh. Um, <laughs> no, we're not going to go that far into it. What was the last time we had a um, an attraction, Disney attraction, that actually had a um, connection to movie tie-in? Like, well, I mean, Cinderella didn't have one. No. Oh my goodness, that's a good question. Well, Pinocchio. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> technically, I want to say it was Song of the South. It's <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's true. Hello and welcome to another episode of Anna Musings. And guess what? With this episode, this marks our one-year anniversary of doing this podcast. Oh my god. We've been doing this for one year, peoples. Uh, we're not doing it on the exact date, of course, but we are now 13 episodes into Animusings, meaning we started in June of 2017, and here we are, June of 2018, at the tail end. Uh, 13 films into the entire Walt Disney Animation Studios uh, library. Probably got four more years to go! Oh my gosh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. There's probably going to be other branches of Animusings when we decide to look at other studios, but this podcast in particular is pretty much solely Disney at this point. It's still going to be uh, the same podcast when we move on to other animated features, but I feel like uh, we've got another four years of the Disney animated journey. We have a lot. There's a lot of films and there will be more so even when we get to the end every time a new one comes out we'll have to take a look at it and see how we uh, how we feel like you know deep dive that kind of thing oh yeah there's yeah. no doubt in my mind so this is our 13th this is the 13th feature animated yes yeah and uh actually both you and i were like so excited about this one yeah um this uh, if you haven't guessed uh we are looking at uh I, I, I want to make sure I make this clear. The 1951's Disney's Alice in Wonderland, because I forgot to mention, there is, an, there is a Disney's Alice in Wonderland, but that one is done by Tim Burton. So not only is there one, but two. <laughs> but we are not addressing Tim Burton's. Well, well, we're not addressing Tim Burton's because it's not animated. Yes. I mean, it's got CGI stuff in it, but that doesn't count. Nope. So, yeah, no, no, sir. No, sir. Um, now with this one, I mean, okay, I have to admit, with other past ones, there's some that you would watch more than I would, and vice versa, or like I've seen it and you haven't, or you've seen it but I haven't. Yeah, I think this is the one that this one we had both watched over and over again. Like you and I knew this front to back. Together. Oh yeah, no doubt. This is one that I think both Kayla and I were intimately familiar with, um, and I own this one. Oh. So do I. Well, he, he, uh, I own this one on VHS as a kid, and <laughs> okay, no, so did I. And to prove it, um, I actually still own the VHS of Alice in Wonderland, and um, I, I have pictures of it. Uh, I posted on Twitter. Um, uh, you can see like it's been drawn on and everything. <laughs> and we watched this version, the VHS version of Alice in Wonderland. It was kind of refreshing, actually, like to be watching something on VHS again. <laughs> Luckily for next month, we have um, Peter Pan also on VHS. I know. So we got that too. We're getting nostalgic. Um, not as nostalgic as, of course, the 1950s when this released, but you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so this is, yeah, so we're back into. Uh, It it still feels like a bit of an adjustment getting back into the feature-length films, but um, yeah, we both have pretty fond memories of this one, as I recall. Yeah. Um, Uh, And I have, but it's been, once again, like a lot of these films, it's been years since I have done a complete uh, watch of this this film, so. You know, 
Yeah, you know, actually, same, come to think about it. I'm trying to think when was the last time I watched it fully, and I can't say I remember. I know I was a teenager, but um, but here's the funny part, uh, too. We, you and I both not only like this movie quite a bit, we are both huge fans of the books, both uh, Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass by yes. Lewis Carroll. A.K.A. the Reverend Charles Dodgson. Yes. Um, it would be good. I think it'll be interesting since um, we both have that experience. We can talk about it. We can talk about sort of the... Compare, we can compare, compare it a little more than some of the other ones did. Um, now, you and I aren't the only ones to have a big history with Alice in Wonderland. Uh, so... Um, I wasn't sure what uh, the history would be like for this one, but um, this one actually goes a little bit more into Walt Disney's history, like Walt Disney, the man himself. Really? So um, he also had a huge love for Alice in Wonderland. Actually, when he was uh, 21, this was 1923, and uh, he was working at Lapacram Studios in Kansas City, uh, he made... um, uh, it, it wasn't that successful. It was called Newman Lapograms, and mm. one of them was called Alice in Wonderland, based off the Alice books, and that was actually the last one. So that was, uh, that was still on his radar. And actually, even during the making of Snow White, he wanted to make Alice in Wonderland into a movie. Right, the Alice comedies were a big deal for for them for a long time too. Yeah, yeah. But he wanted to actually make one, like an actual fully length animated feature. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, he had to shelve that because I mean he was working on Snow White and the Seven Doors, so he had other priorities for many years. First those, the first that Pinocchio, and then. Eventually, the writer's strike, and then the Second World War, yeah. and then just... Well, another thing, too, is um, Paramount actually made a live-action adaptation in 1933. Did they? Yeah. Um, I, th- I think I've seen it. It's been so long, but um, if I show you, if I show you pictures, you'd be like, oh, yeah. And it, it actually did pretty well, um, uh, the Paramount one. Uh, and, but he was kind of put off with like, no, I can't do that now. Like, they've already made something and, you know. It was uh, a little too close to the, uh, to that perceived film. So. But, and also he didn't have the rights. It wasn't until actually 1938 he actually bought the film rights to Alice in Wonderland, including the ones with, uh, Sir John Tunnell's, uh, illustrations, the ones that were used with the book. Oh, yes, with the huge heads and everything. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but of course, everything got put on hold, and because, um, like you said, writer strike, World War Two, <laughs> story of Walt's life in that period. Yeah, um, but uh, one of also uh, the things he this was actually in development hell, by the way. So this is <laughs> yeah, this was in quite the development hell. Uh, like they like he brought on like. One writers and artists, and he didn't like where it was going. Uh, with a lot of it, so, like he would complain the, with the animators that the animation was too close to the illustrations done by Sir um, John Tennell or Tenniel. I'm sorry, Tenniel. My bad. Tenniel. Uh, actually, in 1945, uh, he got British author Aldous Huxley. Yes, that Aldous Huxley. No way, really. Yeah, the guy who did um, Brave New World. Yeah. 
<laughs> that guy. Whoa. To actually rewrite the script. Okay. And um, actually, I would watch this. So the story was actually going to be centered on Lewis Carroll and Alice Liddell and their, and how it was misunderstood. Oh. And Walt didn't like that. Well, I would, naturally, Walt I would wouldn't like that. that because, like, we all know what Lewis Carroll has been accused of over the years. Which is, by the way, like, there's plenty of evidence um, to the contrary, I okay. find. Just based on the conversations with, with, with Alice Liddell herself and, and you know, I... I Again, I, I'm not. We're not going to spend a huge amount of time talking about Lewis Carroll, Charles Dodson, or any of the stuff surrounding him. But okay. I, I have it on. I, I personally believe that he, that all these things about him being, uh, you know, being a particular a particular sort of odd are are not true. Well, if uh, you know, one of these days I got to show you this movie. It's called uh, Dream Child, mm-hmm. and it's actually uh, surrounds around. Um, uh, an 80-something-year-old uh, Alice Liddell, who goes by Alice Hargreaves now because she's married. She's been married, of course. Right. And she's um, visiting America during the 1920s to celebrate Charles Dodgson's birthday. And then there's a news writer writing on him, and she's recounting, like, her experiences with him. But the cool part is um, they actually kind of also delve into fantasy a little bit, like, with the, the uh, uh, Al- like the um, Alice in Wonderland stories. And uh, they actually, Jim Henson did the puppetry for that. It's, you know, uh, I think you would like that. We, I think you need to see this. It you, sounds really cool. It is really cool, actually. Wow. So I, I would recommend it. It's not many people know about it, so. Well, I'm all for it. Um. Anyway, back to the. That, right, back, so the, <laughs> the long, okay, so, so Kayla was even telling me, like, before we started recording, like, there is a lot of history to this. And you can actually see it in the studio, how much Walt loved the concept. You remember the short uh, Mickey Through the Mirror? Yeah, that was something he did because he's like, I really want to do Alice in Wonderland. You, he really, really wanted to do this yeah, story. it resonates. I mean, we had the Alice comics, we had that one. That one always stuck out to me, the Through the Mirror. And, um, yeah. You you see the influence of of Alice in a lot of uh, Disney works. Yeah, actually, one of the things he also wanted to do for this film, he originally wanted it half live action, half animation, huh. but then decided to do all animation. Um, Probably for the best. Uh, so it was actually with the animation style because you know how he was like, I don't want it to look like too much like uh, John Tenniel's uh, illustrations. It uh-huh. was Mary Blair seen his her style my gal mary yeah yeah that he was finally like that's what i want that's what i'm thinking so we owe a lot of the way that alice in wonderland looks to to mary blair yes um and you can tell a lot of effort was put into this um by the way uh uh this movie was successful Uh, okay yeah it had a three million dollar budget and just in the box office office of that year it was 5.2 million hey so it did make back money. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, also, this movie actually um, has more songs and characters than any other Disney animated feature. More songs and characters? Yeah, well, like, main characters. Oh, that's true, yeah. Like... this. The, the interesting thing I want to say right off the bat is I hadn't, I hadn't thought about this movie and, and what makes it so different, but a lot of it is just because it is such a, a bizarre collection of vignettes, which of course matches up very well with the fact that um, well, this is Alice in Wonderland. This is a this is almost disjointed series of adventures in this very strange place. So, um, um, I mean, when we get to the film portion itself, I don't want to make sure I'm not like. 
well, crossing over any other fun factoids you want to uh, throw well, out I, there before we get started. I mean, the only thing I want to say, this is actually not based on purely Alice in Wonderland. It's a combination of both Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass. Right. I think one of the things, why don't, as we go through the movie itself, we can address like... We can Alice, talk about which is from what. And also, how is it different? How is it not? Blah, yeah, blah, blah. well, there's plenty that's different. And the thing is, I feel like... With this, it it's a fair, it's a pretty good adaptation because it takes the best parts of it and kind of of both books and puts them together. And they were already kind of nonsense stories anyway. Don't get me wrong, that's not that's not me detracting from the stories themselves about Alice, but to put them together in the way they did, I think uh, ultimately serves the the feature and doesn't take away anything from their source material. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, no film really takes away from the source material per se, but anyway. That's a whole other thing. So, uh, I guess when we begin, uh, uh, first we see the... We got the... Should we talk about some of the amazing bits with the opening? Some of the people involved? Oh, yeah. This is one of those great things. I noticed this was funny. So, I'm pretty sure there's a large portion of the video videotape where you hear the music, but it's all dark, and then all of a sudden the titles pop up. Normally, this is where you'd see RKO. Yeah. So, of course, they don't have it on the Disney VHS because they can't show it. But nope, we we know about mm-hmm. RKO, so I'm pretty sure that's where the RKO uh, pr- distribution logo came up. Mm-hmm. Any anyhow, we've got the nine old men and, involved, and uh, um, amazing cast of um, actors. Just uh, I, I okay, we'll bring them up. Let's at, let's hit them as we go along. But I think that's important. Wow, just, yeah, it's oh. Mm. And we'll talk about the songs, too, as well. Because, like, yeah, it's like you said, I was noticing, I actually nudged you as you were watching this, like, this is a lot of songs. And you're like, this is the most songs in any. And I'm like, you're kidding. And then I thought about it, I'm like, you're right. So, I mean. No Disney. This is the closest you're going to get to a proper Disney musical. Yeah. Well, we can count it as we go. But, like, (laughs) we so the first one is Alice in Wonderland. You know, the theme song, like, Mm -hmm. Alice in Wonderland. And it's a it's a lovely beginning. Yeah, it feels like the typical Disney opening. It's a very yes, it is a very typical in terms of the credits. But once you get to the um, the beginning, it just like you it wastes no time. It gets right into the plot. Oh yeah, there is no there is just no waiting for anything. It's just we we're in, we're going. Mm-hmm. Like I'm surprised how quickly we jump from. The calm of the English countryside to Alice chasing the white rabbit. Oh yeah. Oh um. By the way, uh, first off, uh, I have to address this because this is important. Um, at least to me. So, uh, the character choices for Alice went through a lot of ones that actually Mary Pickford was going to be an option when they were going to do live action. Okay. This is, and then they settled on Catherine Beaumont. Uh, now, Catherine Beaumont actually had quite the impact on this. So, not only is she the voice for it, but, um, she served as a reference. Like, how she looks is how Alice looks. Right. And then also she was the model. Like, how she moved, they used her for, watched her move and everything. Right. And then also to help get her into character, she would dress as Alice when she would record. You can find some of that footage, too. Like, the old, like, test footage that they did where they, they filmed them. You, the Mad Tea Party scene is yeah. a riot for that reason. It's well, it's so adorable. And, yeah, Catherine Bowman at the time, she looks like Alice. Oh, it's, yeah. It's told, 
It's basically Catherine Beaumont. I I met Catherine Beaumont once. Okay, so uh, I I'm like at an at an event. It was really cool. By the way, Catherine Beaumont, she's still alive, and she's actually the only living actress from this. Oh, don't break my heart. Sorry, hun. Mm. Uh, well, she was what? How how old was she? How old was she when oh, this started? You know, good question. I, I mean, she was little, but um, I like she was a at least a teenager, right? Let's see. Uh, this came out in 1951. Well, while Kayla is finding that info, I will find a way to fill this silence. Um, so we have, we open up on She's 13. The, she was 13. I thought so. I thought she was 13 or, well, or 14. Well, well, if she would have been recording this, she would have been 12. So she's... So she was a young teenager. She, she was a preteen, yeah. Okay. So there we go. Um, and that kind of matches up with how old Alice actually seems when we first meet her. Like, she seems like she's maybe 10, 11, 12... Um, I was well in the book. She's seven, right? But that's in the book. She's very. It's she, in my mind. She's much older here. I, you know, I still see her as pretty young. Like the way she interacts. Like, uh, I mean, I mean, I've, I've met some. She, I've met ten year olds that act like that. Like, so. oh, like they're making. But I mean, she's beginning making flowers with the uh, uh, making a flower crown, putting it on her cat Dinah's head while her sister's trying to teach her, and she's talking about like, well. How is the book any good if there's no pictures in it? Right. She's sitting under a tree with her sister. And even Stigand, and even Stigand, I don't know why that always stuck out to me. But um, we're getting, she's trying to get some some proper British history in there. And mm-hmm. Alice is too busy putting daisy daisy chains on her, uh, on um, Dinah's head. The, there's no doubt, I don't think she's 12, but I know, there's no doubt in my mind she's either between the ages of 7 or 10. She's definitely yeah. a young girl. Yeah, I, I can I can accept that. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Um, and, uh, she basically comes up with the idea that if she had her own world, everything would be nonsense. Because she's so bored. Oh, she's yeah. She's bored out of her gourd with this history lesson. Um. And her sister just keeps, t- like, reading, yeah. and she's not even paying any attention to the fact her young sister is just, starts to sing a song. Song by, number two! By the way, spoilers. It's, and if it wasn't obvious right off the bat... Spoilers, we're revealing the whole story here. Well, no, let's just get this right off. It, this, this whole thing is a dream. Yes. Let's just talk about that well, for a second. It, this it, whole thing is a dream. And I, I didn't think about this, but when she jumps out of the tree and starts singing to Dinah, the fact that her sister suddenly isn't there should be yeah. your first hint. Yeah. You don't see her again after that moment when she's like, let's continue. And then she's talking to Dinah and having this, like, nice song while she's in the flowers and... Um talking about the world of her own yeah the song's called in a world of my own um i actually was telling david this there's a point where she's like laying on the like on her back looking at the uh like looking up through the flowers and uh i actually that image did resonate with me as a kid because um uh i used to uh so i've told david this before i used to live in washington where um we actually had a half acre in our backyard and there was a lot of weeds and flowers that would grow back there. And just because of that movie, I would just lay on my back in in the high flowers and weeds just because I like that idea of the imagery. It is a nice image. It, it really is. Okay. the uh, This is one of the things i got to admit with Alice in Wonderland. They, I mean, that's an angle you would not think of. And the fact they chose that kind of angle is really nice. And then also the colors on this. Oh, my gosh. The colors are amazing <laughs> it really is it's a very bright movie it is it is just so bright and colorful and it's beautiful oh man 
Like, ah, uh, I'm I miss this good animation. Like, Me too. really. Me too. What do we think of Alice? She's adorable. You know what? She's likable. I I think like throughout the movie, you feel for her. You like you. I mean, she's definitely a kid, but she's a likable kid. And it's interesting because it's you could tell she's raised in this British sort of manner, mm-hmm. but in the same breath, she's still a kid. So the way she's reacting to things is exactly kind of how you would imagine a kid during that time to react and it's mm. adorable it is I, I i actually really like what i think like about this when you think about a lot of disney films or even a lot of animated films in the, uh, that, that we we are going to see eventually you've usually got two characters and the t- story turns into a love story this is all about alice and yes. alice is actually got well a- alice is is precocious and um well, impulse she has bat poor impulse control yeah she does and she's got this great kind of pseudo witty internal logic and and for and she's got really she's got fairly obvious flaws but what i like about her is her agency i like that she just goes for it yeah and because she's a kid and this is her dream and you know the thing is she's not the other hint that this is a dream is she's not disturbed by anything she sees no but the moment she sees the white rabbit she's like i gotta figure out what that's all about the moment she falls down the rabbit hole she's not like oh no (laughs) She's just like, oh, well, I guess I'm falling. I guess this is my life now. Just yeah, falling down this rabbit hole. I don't know where it goes, but I'm falling. Just like you, I mean, Pete, you, that's how you would react in a dream mm-hmm. sometimes, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. I like the, also the fact uh, she will, and as we continue, we'll start to notice this more and more. She'll be like, well, this is nonsense. This is supposed to be practical. But it's like a kid's way of what they would imagine practicality would be. And it's just adorable i it, it, she she's very endearing to me i'm not gonna lie yes um, but yeah she sees the white rabbit and yeah we get song number three like, i'm late like, i'm, I'm late, late for a very important, important date, date. It, yep. and it, the, the songs are in little pieces throughout it but they're all very memorable mm-hmm. and uh, the white rabbit is a um, interesting recurring he's a rabbit with a waistcoat and a watch and they i really like the bit where she follows him into the rabbit hole and she's talking to herself. She gives, it's like she says later on, she gives herself good advice because she's talking about maybe this isn't the best idea and she keeps doing it anyway. Yeah. And then she pitches headlong down the rabbit hole. And I love the shot where she's falling and she just, instead of screaming or panicking, she's just like, goodbye, Dinah. And then Dinah is up at the top waving at her as she falls away. And you see it from Alice's perspective, Dinah getting smaller and smaller with her little paw. I was like, aw. Again, I kind of... I noticed this movie tends to choose angles that you wouldn't think of in an animated film. Like, usually you think long shot, or like a close-up, medium, long shot, that sort of thing. Sometimes a bit sitcom-like. Mm-hmm. This decides, like, uh, like I think... I mean, Cinderella used some pretty good angles, especially from the mice point of view. Mm-hmm. This one, I think, goes a little bit farther than that, especially from a human's point of view, and I like that. I really like this whole bit. It's very showcased very well. By the way, if it sounds like I'm talking with my mouth full a little bit, it's because so, we I we decided when we watched this movie to have tea and um, tarts mm-hmm. just to match with it. So I've still got the tarts in front of me, mm-hmm. and I want to eat them. So. Totally understandable. <laughs> I actually took just took one myself. Um, yeah, we we'll, we'll do this in tandem so we're not grossing people out. <laughs> Um, but I really, that's, I feel like the rabbit hole scene is especially evident of the way that they're animating stuff in odd camera angles. Cause you got 
things floating by in weird ways. You've got odd colors. And the music is so trippy here with that, mm-hmm. like, sort of musical saw on those, like, plucked harp strings in yeah. the background. I like the fact that she's falling down with her dress, like, and it's, like, kind of like a umbrella. Yeah, that part's slowly funny. Slowly falling down. I like when she falls past the clock and you kind of get that Doppler doom, 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 as she goes by. The sound, the sound on this is quite incredible, come to think about it. Like, I could tell that... It, like thinking about it as we as you go through the movie, um, the uh, Foley artists had one hell of a time. I'm sure they did. Like, there are so many great sound noises. Like when she falls, you hear a dong. Yeah, when she cat when she finally falls and catches herself on that like curtain yeah. rod, mm-hmm. which doesn't hurt her by the way. So again, dream logic. Um, so she realizes, oh, he's still going. Follows him and then finds the door. Now, if I recall. You talked about this. This is the one character that they invented for the story that was not in any of the original Alice stories. Correct. The doorknob was the only character in the film that did not appear in Lewis Carroll's book. All the rest had appeared in one way or another. So the doorknob. So that in that case, now the doorknob. You you would have fooled me at the time. Like I just thought everybody in this was from that because the doorknob fits in having a talking doorknob. He does. I I can actually easily see him in um, an Alice in Wonderland story. Uh, and of course, more dream logic. They're like, oh, why don't you drink from that bottle? What is that? <laughs> Suddenly a, a table spins and appears. Mm-hmm. It's like, and she's like, oh, what do you know? <laughs> talk about animation, um, talk about animation feats when she shrinks and grows oh, and you've got the perspective shifts. They do a really good job with oh, that. Oh yeah, I love that. Oh man. Again, great angles. Ah. This animation is so good. And when she starts crying because she can't fit through the door. I'm not going to lie. Um, that's why I think she's younger. It kind of reminds me of your nieces. Oh. Like, <laughs> so there was a point we visit, uh. we were visiting his nieces. And um, uh, I think she's like, your niece at the time was five or six. And she's riding her bike and her mom's trying to help her. And she's like, ah, me, do it. And she starts in going into tears just because her mom um, <laughs> was trying to help her ride her bike. <laughs> and I loved how you just responded like, it's so hard being a six-year-old. It is hard, it is hard being a six-year-old. I, I work with six-year-olds a lot, so mm-hmm. I know how hard it can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, here's the thing, though. If you realize you were trapped in a room potentially for all eternity, yeah, my reaction might be to start crying right, right yeah. away. But it's adorable. He's like, oh, don't cry. She's like, I know, but I just can't help it. And then, of course, she doesn't realize that she's going to drown the poor door because her tears are huge and her start flooding the room so we get the whole pool of tears bit and then she finally drinks something because yeah let's start drinking stuff and uh drinks down her response oh dear i wish i shouldn't have cried so i was so bad for the doorknob here because like he's he's choking on all this water and he ends up drinking it like and the bottle gets sucked through into this ocean i'm pretty sure this ocean didn't exist before no and like the pool of tears is not just a pool it's a proper ocean yep and um we've got and then then we meet the dodo the dodo bird he's he's sitting on i love this this setup he's he's sitting on a upside down toucan-esque bird and the toucan's beak is the boat and then he's being he's being pushed along by a parrot or some sort of other bird that's like got its head on his on his rump and is just flapping along and that's how they're pushing him across the ocean and he's yeah. singing nautical songs this is uh, <laughs> I was ridiculous joking. i was joking like look david it's you yeah basically 
Now a sailor's life is a life for me. Four songs. Ah, ah, ah. I guess you could kind of count the Dodo song in there. Hey, if we're counting the important date song, that's four. Right. And then this leads to the caucus race song. Right. The caucus race, which is song number five. Song number five. But uh, yeah, so far, all we've seen so far is from Alice in Wonderland, like the actual book. Yeah. Uh, the caucus race was in the book. The, it's the idea, like, they're basically running in a circle. And it's like, w- what's the point of it? Nobody, there's no winners. It's like, exactly! Yeah, it's no a, one ever loses and the... No one ever, ever wins. wins. Um, and it's... And they're trying... And they're, 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 they're doing they're, it they're to illustri- get dry. Well, they're, yeah, and they're illustrating the stupidity of the whole thing, the absurdity of the whole thing, because the fact that the, all the other animals keep getting hit by waves that are breaking, but the dodo's up on a rock, he's and like, he's totally dry. He's like, she's like, I don't... I'm not getting any... How is this making me dry? He's like, I'm as dry as a bone. It's like, well, duh. I like it. It's great little, like, political commentary, almost. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, I didn't think of that. Mm-hmm. Well, That's- it's a caucus race. Oh, God! Caucus, 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 caucus. Dang. I gotta be careful. If I say caucus too much, we might have to censor it. Because <laughs> I'm going to slip up. So the white rabbit actually washes ashore in his umbrella. And the Jeep, uh, Alice gets caught up in the caucus race. Yeah. And um, the rabbit takes off. And she just says, I- I'll be right there. I love how she's like stuck on the bird that was originally <laughs> the boat for I'll the dodo. Right <laughs> yeah. um, hey, stop kicking that mackerel. Uh, she finally gets out of there and runs into the woods and meets uh, Tweedledee and, and Tweedledum. And now these guys are from through the Looking Glass, right? Yes, they are. Yeah, this is the first. This is the first through the Looking Glass. And uh, basically, twin brothers who um, speak decide to uh, keep her there by telling her a story about the walrus and the carpenter. Yep. I like how they're I like how they're weird and bouncy and there's like a pair they're like a pair of animate car horns. Yeah. Like a honky horns. Bike bicycle horns, I guess. This is an interesting choice for these two characters. Yeah. Uh they do look like the characters, um, like how they were the John Tenniel uh animated them. Yeah, they're a little they're a little closer for sure. But there's different definitely some liberties taken, which I think keeps them to the the, the style. Yeah. Which is important. Um, um the but- Walrus and the Carpenter. It's its own little vignette. It's everybody. I'm, that's a six. That's song number six. six. And this is a, this is the, the weirdly whole... enough, this is the only story within a story that gets animated yeah. in this. You'd think there would be more, but and had they included uh, characters like maybe the Mock Turtle and the Griffin, we might have had more stories within a story. But, oh yeah, because they would have been singing about the beautiful soup. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So what do we think of this little? Do you think this works, the Walrus and the Carpenter thing? It really has no bearing on the plot whatsoever. None but then what... again, most of the stuff in here, when you really think see, about it, has no bearing see, on the plot whatsoever. Here's the thing about it. It it works because, like you said, they're vignettes. It's about this one girl's journey into this weird dream-like world. And it's all just nonsense. That's the whole idea behind it. It's all nonsense. And we're more forgiving of it as an audience because we know it's all nonsense. That's the goal. That's the goal of this this um, but here's story. A, this is one of the things I really liked about Alice in Wonderland, the book itself. I'm not sure if Disney realized it, but what's great about it is there's always like a deeper meaning behind every single vignette in one little way or another. Like, um, they would they would say something that you're like. Oh, that's actually kind of poignant. There's actually a method to this madness. 
um, with the with the purpose of the walrus and the carpenter, uh, there is kind of a whole moral about tr- like who to trust and who can you trust? Because and like how what's it mean to be too trusting and all that? Because think about like despite how- the fact that your antagonists are for some reason a walrus. And a carpenter. a carpenter. It just doesn't make much sense. Well, I mean, the oyster... Well, okay, so with the walrus and the carpenter, the idea is they're like, oh, look, there's oysters. Let's lure them. And then the carpenter and the walrus are about to eat them. Like, and then uh, the carpenter is like, I'm going to make some stuff to eat. Ac- the- accompany this dish. But instead, the walrus eats all the oysters. And uh, that's the story in a whole, but... Um, one of the cool things, by the way, and Dave and I had questioned this, like, as children. And I, Are we talking about the, the glowing letter R? Okay, so... On the calendar? Yeah, so when there... There's a point where, um, uh, the walrus is trying to convince the oysters to follow him so they can talk of uh, shoes and... Of shoes and ships and sealing wax, wax of, of cabbages, cabbages and, and kings. kings. That sort of thing. And then, uh... Mother Oyster turns to look at the calendar and sees the word March, and R starts to glow. Neat. Like, I, both of you and I noticed that, like, as kids. Like, what does this mean? And we, I, we, I found it. I found okay. it. So this alludes to an old adage about only eating oysters in a month with R in its name. <laughs> this includes, uh, so it's, the question is because those months without R, like May, June, July, August, are the summer months in England where oysters would not be, would not keep due to the heat. Is it, oh wow! Yeah. Okay. And this was before like refrigeration was a thing, so that makes sense. Um, so of course the they I like that the oysters are aware of this and they're like, yeah, this is a bad time to go anywhere because Mama Oyster knows that th- these it, guys have ulterior motives. And uh, baby oysters are like, but I want to talk with them, so they follow. And by the way, I noticed with the oyster designs, they're very Rayman esque. Oh, like, like they they have little feet that they dance along with, but the feet are just free floating. There's no limbs connecting to the, their feet to their bodies. <laughs> you just have these little feet running underneath them with nothing connecting them to the oyster except air. It's horrifying. Yep, it's, I like. <laughs> I'm nightmare inducing. Yes, that's yes. nightmare inducing. Oh, nightmare. I had so many nightmares about dancing oyster feet. <laughs> it's awful. Um. So yeah. Uh, Alice is like, that's a sad story, but it has a good moral. Oh, very good moral. In other words, don't be too trusting. Especially if you're an oyster. Exactly. I do like, um, I do like, uh, the way, I mean, again, this is a fun segment and this one feels very Silly Symphonies-esque in a way, just because of the, like the absurdity of of the carpenter being able to build this restaurant out of like flotsam and jetsam that is washed up on the shore of this beach. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, He's and then of course carpenter. him chasing, him chasing the, uh, the walrus. There's another thing. Don't trust the walrus. The, the, the carpenter has to learn a lesson in trust in this too, because mm-hmm. the walrus eats all the oysters before he can. Anyway. So we get, does, does the, does the, uh, does Tweedledee and Tweedledum starting to sing, uh, your old father, William count mm-hmm. as a song? Cause they barely get the, into your it. Your old father, William. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, cause there's some other short songs too. So, I mean, uh, no time to say hello. Goodbye is pretty short, but it's still a song. So yeah, it gets repeated a little bit throughout, but yeah. Um, and it gets cut off, but so anyway, we're at seven. We're at, uh, if we count father, William, that's yeah. seven, seven, seven songs. Ah, 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 ah. Now I noticed this right off, right off the bat. This is an odd little thing that I, I picked up as a kid, but I, I was waiting to see if it was just my imagination or not. 
when you go from this scene, it fades out, and then it goes, it, it cuts to Alice, from, it cuts from black to Alice walking up to the White Rabbit's house. Right when the cut happens, you hear a little, little pop noise. Yeah! I, I don't and know. I wondered if that was deliberate. I don't know what that is. Uh, it's on my copy. I know it's on. It's on mine too. So I, I think I don't know what it is. If if you guys can hear it on other copies and you notice it, please let us know. It's, it was just so funny because it's like you know it fades out. It's dark for a second, and then I'm in the scene is back, and I'm like, that's kind of cute. <laughs> I wonder if that's yeah. deliberate. I, I don't know why. Maybe it was just a sound thing. Who knows? Maybe. But. Maybe. So, um, so she goes in, and uh, I, I like that you picked this up. That you're, where, where they're like, "Well, why is he at his house if he's so late?" And then you pick this up. He's like, he had to change clothes, right? And it's true. He went from his regular like he went. He was at his normal nine to five job. At, working for the queen is just his side hustle. Yes. Okay. <laughs> he's, so he's wearing on, in the beginning. He's wearing his normal waistcoat and all that, and then he's at his house and he changes it into his royal wear. And you're like, oh, and he sees Alice. He's got like a heart tabard and a... Yeah. So he definitely works for the queen. That's his job. So that's why I think he's freaked out being late is because he's late to his job working for the queen who, by the way, cuts off people's heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <laughs> he's trying to look for his gloves and he sees Alice and is like, Marianne, who's his housemaid? And she's like, excuse Apparently. Me. Apparently. Like, we never see record- her. Yeah, another bit of dream logic. He hasn't recognized her up to this point. Yeah. Or even barely acknowledged her existence. Well, he would see her, but then it's not until then it's like, no, you're my maid now, and your name is Marianne, so you better go grab my gloves right now. (laughs) And um, so she she just does it. (laughs) Just... He's like, go get my gloves, and she's like, okay, I guess I get your gloves now. I should, I suppose, I should be taking orders from Dinah next. Well, you kind of do when she meows. You feed that, you feed her. Yeah, the cat's got you. Yeah. So Alice, being Alice and having learned absolutely nothing, opens a box and <laughs> eats a thing that's in the like a little candy, a little cookie. Uh, a little- eat, eat me. Don't mind if I do. Yes, I shall. So. And then she grows again, at which we get a really. This is actually a scene I really love. The whole the whole bit with Alice growing huge and taking over the entirety of the rabbit's house, and then their their efforts to try to get her out when they think she's a monster. Um, this is a good bit. Mm. Um, and we get the dodo back. The dodo happens. Wait, by. wait, wait. So in this scene, I got a little bit of a backstory. Oh boy. They, the stage technicians actually built a scale model of this house. What? And they actually got Catherine Beaumont to sit inside it. <laughs> oh my god! So they said, "Well, because the uh, I'm just picturing like so Eric because uh, Eric Larson was like, I want to see. We need to figure out how Alice's body. I want to see. What, I want to see what Catherine looks like in a little house. So yeah, they made this frame house, and they so they can see how Catherine Beaumont would like move within it. That's got to be claustrophobic. That that's kind of amazing. I need uh, if I can find the picture. Oh my gosh, please! That'd be so funny. Um, if you do find it, let me know. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else? I mean, that's the only advice that, or the only thing I got. You know, I realize we're we're not going to be as as in depth as we often are uh, with this. Although we've already been in this episode for about forty minutes. Um, 
I think it's fair to say, though, we can we can kind of just talk about the highlights of these these scenes. Found it. Since again, they're. <laughs> it, it's, it's not exactly. It's just the, so. Here's the thing. It's not. It's just a frame. It looks like it looks like one of those like houses you'd see it like a play uh, a playground or no 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 like um, a, a a freaking like it looks like she crawled into a McDonald's play place and got stuck. It's adorable. That's awesome. Actually, there's a lot of cool things because you realize that Alice does a lot of different stuff and they put her in a lot of interesting situations. Like here's her. Like, oh, when they had her falling down the rabbit hole? Yeah, they actually got a picture of her, like, hanging on a, um... We're looking at all these pictures that you can't see. You'll just have to Google them on your own Please time. do. Just Google Alice Catherine Beaumont, and there are so many amazing pictures of her doing stuff for this, uh, like, modeling for this film. And it's just adorable. It's really quite adorable. <laughs> and, like, I for- you forget how much stuff she has to do. Like, they have her sitting on, like, this uh, thing that looks like a mushroom. Uh, they have her, um, uh, what looks like looking through uh, a, um, what would look like a hole. Oh, my gosh. Look, that's her looking like she's in a bottle. Oh, my gosh. This is amazing, that guys. Is, that is funny. Please look this up. The, this the is- level of effort put into this okay so let's get back to the the film so we have the bit with the unfortunate bill the lizard going up and trying to get the monster out of the chimney this part is hilarious <laughs> at your sadness governor why governor i've been down one chimneys. i bet he he was the chimney sweep for toad hall and then he had the unfortunate realization that all the chimneys collected connected to one fireplace could you imagine being toad hall's chimney sweep nope okay i just found that sorry i i have i just found the picture that, what is this okay so is it, it yes what that, is this? that's for the fl- flamingo oh my gosh okay okay yeah the yeah. effort okay i'm not gonna lie guys the effort they put into all the different like modeling for this movie for the scene these yeah scenes, incredible please google it just please google yeah. it uh, let's 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 get a little more rapid fire through these. I think so. Um, we have um, the next song is the dodo singing. We'll smoke the monster out. We'll smoke the monster out. This is after Bill got sneezed onto the horizon. This is also this whole thing is also taken from Alice from the book <laughs> from Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Well, there goes Bill. Poor Bill. <laughs> that cracked me up. That still cracks me up. Um. The fact that the uh, the dodo is so keen to commit arson with the rabbit stuff, so she could get the mo- the monster out, is good. Um, I think the part where she reaches out, takes a carrot from his garden, and then she thinks that he bit off her hand when he just he, he, he's, not me, you, you. you barbarian, and then he she takes her mouth, just bites it, takes a bite, and he, he thinks he, he she bit off his hand. His hand that just went into his sleeve, and he just starts freaking out. Help! Um... She gets out of there, but only by shrinking down very small. Uh, the white rabbit, once she once she shrinks down, is just like he's off again. This rabbit <clears throat> is so one track; it's amazing. It's a wonder he hasn't been fired yet. Yeah, um, or so, had his head cut off. That's true. When you get fired from the queen's court, you die. You don't get another job. Um, so she follows him and ends up in the the flower garden. That's right. And I, I don't think they're wildflowers, but I don't know. It's hard to tell. They're just out. She's just out in the greenery. Yeah. And sees things like bread and butterflies, rocking horseflies, and of course, 
the um, the different flowers, the different singing flowers, who, of course, their flower type kind of gives them all personalities, like the... Uh, like, the rose is kind of the leader. There's the white rose that's kind of a diva. Yeah. Uh, there's the violet flower that's, like, all uh, stuffy. She's got, like, a stem that looks like those um, opera glasses. Yes. Like, kind of like opera. Or is that what they call those? The kind that are on a stick? No, opera glasses no, no. are, like, the little, the like, the binoculars yeah. that are on a stick. Uh, I know what you're talking about. I don't know the n- name of it, but... Um, uh, but she's got, she's got them on a little stick. Yes. Anyway, but there, it's actually just a stem. I thought that was cool. Um, we get All in the Golden Afternoon, song number... Uh, nine. Number nine. Oh, my God. This is, this is one of the few proper songs, though. Yeah, this is definitely a proper... This is a proper song. You have to differentiate what you think is a proper song and what isn't, but we're including every song. By the way, I, I like the... So, after, again, it's a good song. I like it. Uh, I th- Yeah, this is definitely one of the more proper like like proper proper songs uh that actually has like that can goes on for some time this one is a legacy kind of i mean when you think about the songs that get that people remember from this movie uh this is one that gets comes up all the time is oh, the golden yeah. afternoon yeah um now with the <laughs> i we were both laughing at this part so there's a point where like they're trying to figure out what flower she is and <laughs> there's a baby rose that's like i think she's petty Quiet, Quiet bud. <laughs> Quiet, bud. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I found that funny. It is. It's, it's adorable. Um, they're trying. They think she's a weed, so they end up chasing her out of the out the of the garden. garden. There's a lot of good flower bits in there, like the dog and caterpillars. Um, and of course, there's uh, dandelions and dog, dog, I, dogweed, I, dog cat, yeah. dog. I thought it was flowers. A, well, here's the thing. I thought it was a dandelion. But then when I thought, it's like, well, a dandelion is a weed, though, so. I, they, they're very, they're, they're racist. Yes. They're racist flowers. She's a common weed, not an exceptional weed. She doesn't have a bloom. Um, so she immediately runs from that and runs into the caterpillar. A-E-I-O-U. Now, I'm pretty sure the vowels, like the smoking vowel thing and the letters were not, that was an animation choice by That Disney. was an animation choice. Uh, the hookah was definitely he, in the book. Yeah, he definitely had the hookah, um, which is a really odd but interesting choice. So yeah, she meets the caterpillar. I I like the caterpillar. I do too. I like the creativity of this whole thing about his him singing vowels. Does his vowel song count? Yes. If we're going we're to up to number 10 then. 10 you. That's a good uh, caterpillar. Why, thank you. Who are you? <laughs> um, I mean, the whole interaction, the interaction itself kind of plays almost bit by bit by bit for um, the book itself. Like uh, the whole, she makes, he makes her recite and it's like, that's all wrong. How doth the little crocodile improve his shining tail and pour the waters of the Nile on every golden scale? You can tell the animators had fun with that. It's like yeah. we got we, this. We got a hookah smoking caterpillar. Let's rock this so hard, and they did. Like this is the part that makes me think this this like this whole thing about the hookah and the caterpillar and how weird it is. Like I I can't see this part and not think of Jefferson Airplane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh but then there's a point where uh he seems calm but then loses his temper and turns red. And he then he turns into a butterfly. And 
I like I like how she for first Alice loses her temper because he won't answer a question. He won't answer any of her questions. And then she just stomps off and finally he's just like, Come back. I have something important to say. And then it actually does like a couple dissolve cuts as she makes her way back. Just, as though to that say, part like, is really odd. Like she wandered that far and then it took her forever to get back to that spot. Yeah. For him to say, keep your temper. Even though <laughs> he basically yells at her to, that um, here's the advice. One side of the mushroom makes you grow taller and the other side makes you grow smaller. Oh, he yells that. It's funny. She, he's contradicting. Yeah. The, hip, the hypocrisy there is that later after he gives her that advice, he loses his temper. Yeah. Hugely. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. So she... Alice grabs two pieces of this mushroom so she can not be three inches high. Tries one and then basically... Now, in the book, I remember her neck gets really long. Yeah, it was her neck that gets really long. Which explains why the bird is... The bird that she accidentally disturbs in the nest when she rises starts screaming, Serpent! Serpent! And there's that all bit. The bit's kind of... Yeah, it's whatever. It's whatever. It's fine. And whatever about it. You, n- nothing ever gets made of it again, so there's just a bird, it calls her a serpent, and she shrinks back down. It's not a bad thing or anything. She no, just... it's it's just not one of my favorite bits. The character's not that memorable to me. Well, no, well, and it's important because he's imme- that scene is immediately overshadowed by the next scene where the most memorable character in the <laughs> entire thing <laughs> shows up. Oh my gosh. You can't see it. Michaela is bouncing off oh the walls. Oh my god. So we get to meet the Cheshire Cat. I, who is voiced by Sterling Holloway? Okay, now <laughs> I—it's been our, our man Sterling. I did not realize, like when I was a kid, I liked this character, but I didn't know why. But then I rewatched. I'm like, I now know why. First of all, Sterling Holloway does an amazing acting job on this. You can tell he really does. He is having so much fun playing this character. You, he's just oozing charisma with this. This is the first time he's really gotten to play a character well, besides just like a... Well, here's the thing. Usually he's a narrator. He's very... Like, his voice tends to be more, like, softer, kind of... Like, has a right, gentle voice. Right. Like, someone you would like to... T- you would talk to him like, oh, what a very genteel man. This is, like, the one time he gets to be just, like... Just, like, not evil, but just... There, there is something just low key sinister about the Cheshire yeah! Cat. Yeah, and you can tell he's having so much fun. He's loving it. Just like it's like Sterling Holloway just saw this. Like I'm going to work every angle with he, this. It's the first time we ever get to hear him sing too. So let's put this at an eleven. We're gonna count the opening. Can we count the opening lines of Jabberwocky? Yes. Since yes. this is the only reference we get to Jabberwocky, by the way. No, he, no, 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 no. Oh no, 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 no. We get Tolji Wood and the Momraths later. Exactly. But no Jabberwocky. No, there was actually there. Were, so. I, the, the thing is, if I say, oh, there was going to be a Jabberwocky in the film, but the, here's the thing, a lot of the characters were, from the original books, were considered for this. Right. And they forgo, they for, basically forgot, forgo it, and where I was like, nah, let's not. Oh. Like, oh. Like well, it's okay. I yeah. mean, I'm not sure how much anybody really wanted to see the pig baby. Aww. <laughs> uh, actually, so, uh, fun fun fact, when I was in fourth grade, uh, our school did a play of Alice in Wonderland, and uh, I actually got to be the Duchess and hold the pig baby. Oh, fun. Yeah. Did you get to sneeze a lot? Uh... Did I? My the Duchess no, was the one who no, sneezed no. a lot. The, no, she didn't sneeze. No, I don't. Or was it the pig babies? The pig baby sneezed. 
Well, the pig baby was the one who sneezed because the cook was using so much pepper. Yeah. Uh, although there is, uh, 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 it's funny because there was a line where I said the cook uses too much pepper, and then everybody's like, "Achoo, achoo!" Amazing. Um, I think you'd make a very good duchess. So Thank that's you. Cool. Thank you. As a kid, I didn't appreciate it. As I get older, I'm like, "Yeah, that I that would been a." You the- rocked it. You were the best duchess. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> so anyway, but the Cheshire Cat is Cheshire the cat. best. Oh yeah, and he's having a blast. Uh, he's very, he's, he's fun, he's low-key sinister, he's a trickster, he is the, um, he, he does, and he's got spooky, he can disappear, he can reappear, he can stand on his head, um. This is probably what led, eventually, Sterling Holloway to go on to voice, uh, Ka. Right, another sort of villainous character. Yeah, but... I wouldn't... Okay, I wouldn't qualify the Cheshire Cat as a villain. More of a... Like I said, more of a trickster. Yeah. He's definitely a kind of a trickster, like, does his own thing. I feel like this character knows exactly what's going on in this world. Yeah, this is the character who who understands the nonsense of Wonderland. And he's the closest to the person to actually giving Alice anything close to genuine advice. Yeah, because you're, you're uh, it's like, oh, where do you go? Well, you could go this way to the Mad Hatter. Uh, I'd rather, or you can visit the March Hare. Oh, I'll go visit him. Well, he's mad too, though. But I don't want to go among mad people. Oh, you can't help that. Most everyone's mad here. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I, I love that level. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> I love that he catches uh, himself. Yeah. He's mad. They're all mad. You, I, you might have noticed that I'm, I'm not, not all, all there myself. myself. <laughs> God, it's off. Every time, and every time he shows up, it's with, pretty much every time he shows up, it's with um, the opening lines of Jabberwocky. Almost every time, but yeah, it's just, oh my gosh, when he shows up, I... It just brings a smile to my face. Yes, I get the Cheshire, I, Cheshire Cat smile when I see him. Uh-huh. Oh, this is definitely my favorite character. I can tell without. Oh him. no doubt. Just but try. then we get the then we she well Alice does decide she's gonna go to the to the Mad Hatter after all. This is actually also my favorite scene. Dude. Yeah, well, it's the it's, Mad Tea Party. This so, part is this part is great. We get the unbirthday song, song number twelve. 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 Yeah. Oh, very merry birthday to me. Who, you? No, me. Oh, you. <laughs> now, I, Kayla had said, and it, she gave me permission to do this. She said, I can finally do my Ed Wynn voice in this episode. So I am going to do it, but only sparingly. Okay? Okay. I can't Carry look. Carry on. I can't look. <laughs> I don't really, I really don't understand it. It's not like it's that good yeah. or anything. Yes, it is. No, it's not. So, I don't know why. Like, um, I can't explain it. So, um, <laughs> god damn. Uh, so, with certain, uh, if you haven't guessed, David can do a variety of different voices. No, I can't. Shut up. <laughs> Uh, he, he actually can. Uh, and for the most part, I can, like, look at his face just fine when he does it. His Mad Hatter voice, though, I don't know why. Maybe in my brain it's too spot on or something. But I can't look at him when he does it. It's just so creepy to me. Is that why you never look me in the eyes when we kiss? Is that why... 
um, those are the things that upset me. <laughs> the funny thing is, um, and actually, we're, we're going to bring him on the show eventually. My friend Ernie can do a spot on Goofy. I cannot look him in the eye when he does that either. Oh my gosh. If we do, when we do get Ernie on the show, be prepared to have N. Win and Goofy have a conversation. Oh no, my god. While you're cringing in the background. No. Oh god. <laughs> they're both really great impressions. That's not, it just, I can't stare. I can't. It's okay. You don't have to stare. I can't. It's okay. It's not, it's not, it's not polite to stare. Oh god, no. So you'll be fine. Oh god. Okay. So we get to the mad tea party. We get the very mad Marianne birthday song. He did this. He did this voice while I was driving and almost crashed. Just by the I, way, I learned the hard way not to do the voice while Kayla's driving a car. So, uh, yes, yeah, so we have the Mad Hatter, the March, and just just to be clear, just to be clear, uh, the Mad Hatter is voiced by Edwin, and I think this, no, yeah. Well, I mean, for, for some people don't know these things. That's Edwin. Uh, I kn- who voiced the March Hare? Do you know? Who I the March don't actually. The March Hare doesn't get nearly oh, enough recognition. Oh, because oh, oh. remember I said the March Hare is also voice the d- person who voices the Dodo also voices the March really? Hare. Really? Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. I remember writing that down. Yeah. You know what's great though? No. This is the voice you could use to be an icebreaker at parties. I and I do you. love a tea party. Oh, God, I hate you so much. <laughs> okay, actually, so uh, funny enough. Um, uh, oh, fun fact. What? Oh, while you're looking this up, uh, I have a question for you. Um, the Mad Hatter is one of the only characters that makes a, I think the March Hare does as well, but I can't remember. The Mad Hatter is the only one of the only characters, besides Alice herself, who is in both uh, Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you see the Mad Hatter a couple different times. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I must say he's in the Lion and the Unicorn bit in. Um, yeah, in, yeah, where yeah. the the Lion and Unicorn battle. Yep. Um, I think the March Hare was. In I think too. the March Hare as well. They're they're always a duo with the Mad Hatter and the March Hare because they're both mad. Yep. Both. Uh, <laughs> uh, the reason for a Mad Hatter going mad is because uh, Hatters used to use mercury when they made hats and if you mercury actually does make you a little and march hair because in march that's when it's mating season it's mating season and they get really crazy yeah let's go with that they they get crazy uh so they want to mate so bad so they're uh ha- oh, there's also the dormouse but the dormouse is kind of only dormouse tangentially is, there dormouse is just a sleepy little creature that just Every so often, half wakes up and says crazy stuff. Or gets freaked out whenever anybody says the word cat. Exactly. Which happens. Yeah, the whole tea party is just a lot of fun. It's a, it's just, again, it's a nonsense scene, but it's just so fun and colorful to watch. And is this is this the most, this is, might be the most absurd bit yeah. of the entire thing. It well, really is, Well, because a lot of the stuff they're doing, too, the way they're pouring tea and drinking tea, and then they're moving, the way they, they move and stuff like that. All it's like it bends physics. Like, uh, oh, just a half a cup, and it's like a half a cup. They like, cut, they carve uh, a the cup, cup in, in half. half, and yet the tea is still in it. And you can see a cross reference of the or, tea, or like uh, when, or like when the uh, March Hare pours it between his ears, and then he puts it, clips his ears together, and it stops. Hatter pours uh, tea in his collar, and it comes out of his sleeve into the uh, the tea cu- the teapot. Yeah, tea this cup. this all just bends physics, and it's fantastic. Not to mention, Alice never gets to drink any tea because they're always like, "Clean cup, clean cup, move down." But I haven't used 
my cup. She's so disappointed. <laughs> she really wanted to have a tea party. But yeah, we have the unbirthday song, and it's uh, and it's like I said, this is not song number twelve on our roster, and it's great. Yeah, it's um, fun. It's silly. I like the fact that the um, uh, March hair is like, oh, you uh, uh, <laughs> well, she doesn't know what unbirthday is. <laughs> to which uh, the Mad Hatter finally explains. Yep. Like again, you get one birthday, and then three hundred and sixty-four unbirthdays. Wait a minute, Kayla, Kayla. I think this means it's my unbirthday today. It's my unbirthday too. It is. What a small world this is. <laughs> We're not going to sing. No. No. Uh, so um, um, it's it's a lot of fun. Goes on for what she's trying. Alice is kind of trying to tell them her story, but she keeps getting interrupted. And I love the bit where um, she mentions Dinah and the Mad Hat, the March Hare, being you know living up to his name. Very interesting. <gasps> Who's Dinah? <laughs> like, <laughs> The Ma- like, they the, had to add the that. March Hare is a horn dog. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but only <laughs> but only for people named Dinah, I guess. Anyway, no, he just hears a female voice, female name, and has to question it. Yeah. Uh, although uh, he's the, also able to pull a hammer out of nowhere, a mallet. And then we get our first uh, riddle. Why is a raven like a writing desk? Uh, excuse me, I'll take it from here, please. Mm-hmm. No, actually, that was pretty good. Thank Never you. Never mind, I won't take that from you. <laughs> I, th- I like the fact I do know the answer to this one, though. There's a couple, but my favorite is because Poe wrote on both. And it actually makes sense in this one, because after Alice says, why is a raven like a writing desk? And they freak out, and the March Hare's like, she's stock raving mad. I'm like, oh, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I like it. I like that. There's there is no logic to these two characters. They really are the most insane. Yeah. And then and then the white rabbit shows up, and it gets even weirder when uh they when the matter the the Hatter grabs the watch and says, "Well, of course you're late. This watch is two days slow." By the way, by the way, Edwin ad libbed that whole speech where the Mad Hatter tries to tea. Pay. Oh, I never thought of tea. Mustard. Don't. Mustard. Mustard. So let's be silly. <laughs> so uh, Walt Disney watched that and he said, hey, that stuff's pretty funny. Why don't you use the speech in the movie? The animators objected like, we can't use that. There's so many background noises on the film. And Disney's like, smile is like, that's your problem. And then walks out of the No room. one tells Walt no. Yeah. No one tells Walt no. Hey, Walt, we dug this big hole in New Orleans Square for this underground wax museum, but now you want to put a boat right in there? What should we do with this big hole? Well, I don't know. Put some caves or something in there. That's your problem, not mine. <laughs> and that's why we have the skeleton caves in the Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. Uh, the sound technicians actually were able to re-record Wynn's dialogue, and they restalled the background noise, so... The, those ablets were used in the final film. That's really cool. Aha! Here's the problem why this watch is full of wheels. I like the fact it like just explodes and then uh, I, it's like two days slow, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah, it, it freaks out, flies all over the place, and then the the this part is hilarious and always made me laugh huge as a kid was the bat, the March hair just being like, There's only one way to stop a bad watch and just smashes it with yeah. a mallet. It's like Gallagher up on there. <laughs> Poor, poor, poor White Rabbit. It was an unbirthday present, too. And they just throw him out. And then Alice is finally sick of everyone's nonsense, and she decides that she's done with the White Rabbit, she's done with the tea party, and she's going to go straight home. But she has no idea how to get back, so she goes, so she 
wanders into the told you would and burbles as she came. One, two, one, two, and through and through. through. The vorpal blade, blade went snickersnack. Wait, no, Alice didn't die. No, no. No. This is the more calm part, if you think about it. It's a bit more, it's, it, it, it like, she notices strange things, notices strange creatures. We needed this. Mm-hmm. It's, it was definitely a pause and kind of gives you a chance to, I don't know, because it's just, like, weird thing after weird thing after weird thing, and then it's just kind of a calm journey and by, by this point the weird things that show up aren't that surprising you've got like a bird like a pair of walking glasses with a needle nose and then a bird with a mirror for a, a head and, and, a, and she's just saying no more nonsense please like she you could tell she's just so done she's still not she still doesn't know that this is all a dream yeah which is amazing um and normally in movies that would be a huge cop-out but since you know this from the get-go yeah I pretty think, much because here's the thing we know going into this even like yes it's a dream but it's all in her this whole thing is just a journey through her mind and what she's coming up with and basically there are morals in each thing and her it's 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 not disappointing like and like it's not disappointing you're like okay with her coming having this journey unlike that time that drew barrymore hit her head on a thing and thought she was in toyland for the rest of the movie (laughs) I actually enjoy that film. I, I, I do too. I'm just messing. I know. It's still, it's still like... C-I-N-I. Oh, bake! The Cincinnati song. The great Cincinnati song. So, I mean, and then there's actually a point where she does get disappointed and down herself because she keeps trying to get home and then, like... There's the dog with the brush for her face that literally erases the path in front of her and she's left on this little... The scene is really calm and kind of spooky, and I like it. But then there's a sadness, because she remembers she sings about, like... Song number 13. About, like, she usually gives herself very good advice, but she doesn't follow but it. But I very seldom follow it. And she starts to cry, and all of the strange creatures disappear. They're crying, too, which yeah. is also sad. I, they, like, feel her sadness, and then they fade away, just like everything else in the woods. It, it kind of more further further proves like this is a dream a crescent moon appears in the sky it's the only thing that's left besides <laughs> the rock that alice is in but it's not a crescent moon it's sterling holloway <laughs> he has come to lead alice back to home sort of no because always are the queen's ways so he's like this is the first we've heard of the queen of hearts yep and uh he finally she's like well how do i find her and he's like well you could just go this way so she he gives her a shortcut to uh, the garden, the the maze hedge fund. The, he- the no, hedge fund. fund. Yeah. Um, we get song number 14 when she meets that. So, yeah, she's in the royal. Painting the roses red. We're painting the roses red. Yep. So they're painting the roses red. Uh, they're all clubs, mm-hmm. by the way. They're the one, the ace, the two, and the three of clubs are trying to. And they are voiced by the mellow men. Yay! That includes Thurl Ravenscroft, who we both love and adore. Hi, Thurl. Um, anyway, so Alice agrees to help them in their, their painting, because they, as they explain in the song, they planted the white roses by mistake, and if the queen finds out, she'll have them all decapitated in a gruesome fashion. She's, she will literally cut the deck. Hey! Oh, by the way, so you know how in the song they said, not pink, not green, not aquamarine, we're painting the roses red! Yeah. Uh, so when the queen's army does arrive... They actually do the rank in normal color colors, which actually, it's the three ranks of cards are pink, green,
green and aquamarine. Oh, is that really how it goes? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. The queen is playing with a marked deck because clearly, like, the majority, like, there's thousands of cards. And also, most of them are hearts. You yeah. see the occasional clubs. Gee, I wonder why. And uh, there is one jack. There's one jack, one queen, and one king. Mm-hmm. All the other cards are just uh, are just uh, numbers. But um, we get my favorite music. This, this doesn't really count as a song. We get my favorite no, musical no. moment. <laughs> yeah, the, the the march of the cards, and this is this is so cool. This whole scene is amazing. It is. It is really well animated. It's like the just the marching and the way that they shuffle together and march against the sky and just it's so cool. And uh, finally, we, we we learn the why the what the white rabbit was going toward the whole time, and you find out he's essentially the trumpet blower, the that announces the, the steward que- announces the queen of hearts, played by Verna Felton. Verna Felton, and, oh, and, and the king. Hooray! <laughs> so Verna, so he, um, all right. So here's a big question: the queen of hearts often gets included in sort of the ranks of Disney villains. She counts, right? Yeah, as a villain, yeah. Yeah, because she's definitely the closest thing we get to a villain in this. Mm-hmm. In the book, she's not, but... No, but she's very antagonistic in the book still. Yeah, but in right. this case, she's actually a villain because of... She does serve as an obstacle for Alice in order to get home. Eventually. Uh-huh. Now, it is interesting, as I think about it, there's not much of the film left. The majority of stuff was taken from the first book, but there are occasional things that were thrown in from Through the Looking Glass. Yes. Um... For example, no chess pieces. No chess pieces. No yeah. red queen or white queen. Nope. Uh, no sheep grandmother thing. No, uh, No sheep in a boat. No white knight. No white knight. No jabberwocky. Mark, no mock turtle. No it, mock or griffin. Mm-hmm. No lion and unicorn. Pig, yeah. No pig baby. No pig baby. No frog footman. By the way, actually, funny enough, uh, Sterling Holloway played uh, uh, a frogman in the 1933 Alice in Wonderland. Did he now? Yeah. Okay, that I didn't know that part either. That's fascinating. That's yeah. legit. I thought you'd like that. Thank you, dear. Um, so yeah, so the queen shows up and they she goes ahead and has the uh, the three cards haul off to get their heads cut off. <laughs> I, I actually meets Alice. I kinda like the dialogue between the two because the the deuce you say, not me, the tray. <laughs> it all rhymes. Not me, your grace, the ace, the ace. Uh, eventually there's the croquet game. Yes, uh, she's uh, the queen is actually fascinated by Alice because she's like, oh, it's a little girl, but still has to yell. She's just as manic as the in. She's okay. See, like whereas the the Hatter and Hare are like just kind of madcap individuals, she's like a psychopath. Oh yeah, she's scary. So then um, they play croquet, but of course it's a nonsense croquet. So they use uh, flamingos as a mallet and. Uh, what is that? Hedgehog? Yeah, hedgehogs. Hedgehogs as balls, and the cards are the croquet hoops. What are the I, yeah the 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 wick, wickets? They're called wickets, I think. It's been I, I the, yeah the, yeah yeah yeah. Hun, the last time I ever played croquet was when I was like nine. That's okay. I played croquet at a friend's wedding uh, a couple years ago. Um, was it a couple years ago? think so anyway uh that's irrelevant either way i think they're called wickets those things okay. that you hit the croquet ball through yep um if i'm wrong about this you can yell at me um british people if you know <laughs> or people who play croquet because yeah, yeah people play it everywhere that's true um so 
the queen, of course, like because the cards are there. The queen, the cards deliberately move so that the ball the, will always. The queen wins. Yeah, the queen will always win. And when one the card misses, he gets hauled off to get his head cut off. Yeah, because he he fails to get there in time for the ball. Um, and whenever Alice goes to hit, the cards move out of the way for her. Yeah, because they move out of the way because she doesn't score a single point. And at this point, she I don't think Alice really. She doesn't really care. She just wants to live. She just wants to leave. Yeah. The queen's supposed to help her leave because all ways are my, my ways. ways. But um, I things guess... are going okay even though she's wrestling with the flamingo. Yeah. And then... Who sh- should show up but that... <laughs> that darn cat. That darn Cheshire cat who starts just you... antagonizing Alice and goading <laughs> the queen. You know, we can make her really angry. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, but it's loads of fun. fun. <laughs> He's just like, it's like, heh, I get no responsibility for this whatsoever. Yeah, because he could just disagree. For for some reason, he's just, I don't know if he even knows the consequences or he doesn't care what's going to happen to Alice at this point. Yeah. So, uh, accidentally turns the queen over, makes her angry, and then... Obviously, the king's like, can we have a trial, please? He just really wants a trial so bad. It's the only thing he gets to do. Yep. So, uh, and the queen's just like, all right, little little husband of mine, you get to have a trial. So they go to have their trial. And uh, by the way, this is for uh, Jesse, who we love. Guess what? Jose Carioca makes a guest appearance as one of the jury members. Yeah. I, uh, you pointed him out to me, actually. Yeah. That's, like- r- that's right, Jesse. Go look for him. Go see your lovely Jose. <laughs> our, our sweet boy. He's our, he's our boy. He's our boy. You know how, like, um, actually, I would say all the Caballeros are our boys. Mm-hmm. By the way, oh, we could talk about that at the end. The legend, did you see the tweets about the Legend of the Three <gasps> yes! Caballeros? That's a new cartoon. I want to see it. I want to see it, too. If there's, I think it's not a, I think it's not an Ameri- American, I, don't, I think I it's don't... A, another product countries another it's a disney production in another country we gotta look into it i do want to look into it legend of the three caballeros anyhow um so the trial begins the charges are read the queen's just like let's just have the sentence and then alice is trying to point out the logic of this kangaroo court doesn't really work there's no kangaroos in this court um and then some other characters get brought back to be witnesses so we we bring one of them is mr winky no sorry Oh, God. Uh, we bring back uh, Marcher. Nothing, whatever. Nothing, whatever. <laughs> That's very important. Jury, write that down. <laughs> I, I have, for some reason, that is always stuck in my brain. Mine, too. I, I totally get that. It's a good scene. It's a good. This whole part is, is funny. The yeah. Dormouse is brought up. The Mad Hatter is brought up. And when the Mad Hatter is brought up. Yeah. I was oh, busy. Twinkle, 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 twinkle. The Mad Hatter appears. He's like, I was telling my own birthday. My dear, it is your own birthday, too. It forgets the whole card case. It, it is. It is. And everyone starts singing. And poor Alice, song. It, Alice is just <laughs> like, A very merry birthday to me. Oh, no. <laughs> Alice is just like shaking her like, why? Yeah. What, okay. I think that's the thing. I think... Here, here's a thought. Alice is always being told that she needs to stop doing so much nonsense and act more like an adult and, you know, <laughs> pay attention. Now Alice is now, now Alice knows how it feels to be surrounded by people who are even more absurd. Yeah. that's Now she kind of understands. You know what? There is a story here. Alice suddenly increasingly becomes surrounded by people whose nonsense becomes completely impossible to deal with. Yep. 
and has a nightmare about it, basically, by the end of it. Yep. Um, I was wrong. I don't want to live in this nonsense. No, I want to hear boring stuff about William the Con... Anyway. Or William... Was it William Wallace? I don't Uh, know. I don't remember who they were talking about. No, not William Wallace. uh, And then, of course, Cheshire Cat ruins things even more because Queen's like, I got a new hat. It's a Cheshire Cat just sitting on her crown. And then uh, yells the word... Yells the word cat. So then, um, uh, all of a sudden, the uh, Dormouse starts to freak out and is running around. This causes mayhem. And uh, the king accidentally hits his wife with a croquet mallet. Or with a, actually just a mallet. And the jam, the jam by order of the king. I noticed during that part, he's banging his gavel on her butt. Oh, it's her gavel. It's his gavel. Yeah. That's and, her- and it's the mad, it's the, it's the March Hare who hits her with his mallet. And, then, and they, passes they, it to Alice. They just pass it to Alice, and she's just holding it, and then the queen sees it. Alice yeah. eats the mushrooms in order to get bigger, since they, they don't immediately she, take her away. That's also in the story, who is like, anyone that's a mile high, I am not a mile high. Yep. Oh, who cares for you? You're nothing but a pack of cards. That's also taken directly Except, from the book. Yeah, she's basically now has a... Uh, she has now thought, oh, look at me. I'm tall now. I have power. Oh, crap. I'm getting strength. Short people got no, no reason, reason to. to. Anyway, uh, this proceed. Pr- oh, <laughs> what were you saying, my dear? Well, she simply said that you're a fat, pompous, bad, different old tyrant. <laughs> Surly Holloway is having too much fun, and I love him for it. <laughs> oh, it's great. So Alice then goes running from the... This part is pure chaos. She's just yeah. running from the cards, and then everything starts turning into things she's already experienced. She gets into a caucus race again. She runs across a tea table. It turns into a tea table where the hatter and hare are trying to convince her to stay for tea. She falls into a giant teacup. Suddenly she's in the ocean being chased by the queen who is riding on the bird that the dodo was riding on earlier. the caterpillar. Who's the butterfly. And smokes, uh, who smokes hookah into her face, and she runs away. Down a smoky tunnel. Uh, eventually finds... This part is nightmarish! It's amazing! I love it! Oh, uh, I, I, you can <laughs> tell the animators are having way too much fun. The yeah. colors, the, the, the madness, oh, it's fantastic. The madness reaches a crescendo at this point. And then she's trying to open the door, and he's, uh, she's like, I got Oh! Still locked. And she's like, I gotta get out. And he's like, but but you're all out, see? And she's like, oh my gosh, that's me. I'm asleep. What? Wake up, Alice. Come on. And then she wakes up. Yes, it was a dream. And, and the movie's basically over. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, come on. And her sister's like, oh, honey, let's go home now. Well, and nothing was accomplished whatsoever. The movie ends just as abruptly as it starts. And that's fine. This is, here's the thing about this movie. I love it. I, I love it. I adore it. it. I think it's incredible. I love watching it. And it makes no sense. No. Here's the thing. It does make sense because what makes it great is there's a method to this madness. Each vignette addresses something deeper, like, that you don't think about. True. Like, with the um, mad... And it kind of teaches a little things about life. um, Don't talk to strangers, for example. Don't chase strangers down rabbit holes. Yeah. For example, for her, it's like... Uh, one, uh, don't let people, like, uh, she let, basically just let kind of people boss her around, and then it's not until she, um, basically stands up for herself that she finally, I mean, she finally is able to stand up for herself and be your own person, um, uh, be careful of who you trust, um, it's just, yeah, it is, 
there's it's just like pieces of life but done to an extreme huh? and it's just fascinating and it's beautiful and ah oh, i don't know it's hard to explain it's we just, more like interesting protagonists like alice alice this is, is so likable she's very likable and it, it's just ah uh, it's it's just such a fun movie it really is i'm it's definitely like it holds up it does hold up, it, actually. It, it, yeah, it does hold up. This is a real, this is really a real genuine classic of the bunch. Oh, yeah. like And, then, is, and don't get me wrong. Everything we've watched to a degree has been a classic. I mean, the package films, you can kind of, some but, of them are a little more forgettable than others. But then when you get back to these, we just had Cinderella. And now we have this. And okay. this is a great legacy to be working off of but, now. But think of it this way. Like, with Cinderella, like, there's some morals in there that are, like, things in there that are a bit old-fashioned. This is timeless. Like, yeah, that's true. Actually, this, there's no, there's I mean, no, you can't. It, it, it aged. It, I think it aged better than Cinderella. That's oh for sure. yeah. Oh, it totally did. Because well, one, it does take place in a certain time period, but the animation is beautiful. The colors are great, and the what she's going through is it's all dreamlike and it's surreal. And that, uh, but then it's also the the songs are still classic and. The, Do we cap out at what, like 14, 15 songs? Yeah, 14. 14. 14. 14 songs, guys. That's a lot of songs. And But they're all like, it's like you and I are like remembered a lot of them. Um, the characters are like, are like, are all different and they're very distinguished. Like this is, this holds up. Like I, I, I like, I love Cinderella, but it doesn't. There's still bits that are like eh, it's a bit old fashioned. Same with like Three Caballeros. It, it's still there's a couple things. It's like it's definitely a peer, uh, it, it's something of his time. Yeah, our dog's getting excited. She's a white rabbit. Yeah. Um, it is a yeah, but like you know it. So it this has a legacy. This does. This is definitely a movie like you could show your kids, and I. It'll hold up. It, it does. It does hold up. It really does. This is a beautiful film, and I love it. I and love then we it. watched it to death when we were kids, and it's, it's great watching it with you again, dear. I know. We never watched it together. This is our first time watching That's it. That's true. You're right. Oh, my gosh. So, well, it feels like it. Oh, this is great. Ah. I mean, that's how we embarked on this whole project in the first place, is an excuse to watch Disney movies together. Exactly. And now here we are, uh, a year later, Aww. still doing this. This has been fun. Thank you for being on this journey with me, Kayla. And it's just continuing to go more and more. We're in the 50s and we're still continuing through. That's right. So let's talk, let's let's look ahead to the future. We're 13 films in and uh, next month we will be looking at one of my personal favorites. This is one that still sticks with me to this day, uh, Peter Pan. Now, where Fallows in Wonderland, we were both like, yes, yes, excited about this. I think you're more excited about Peter Pan than I am. I think so. Um... That's because, okay, so, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll get into it more probably when we get into yeah. the, um, when we talk about Peter Pan, but like, Not for sure. um, I think there are like three big books where that it, are books that address like people or kids going into another world. And I think that's Wizard of Oz, Alice in Wonderland, and Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. My favorite was Alice in Wonderland out of the bunch. It's a good choice. <laughs> um, and then I have theories and thoughts about Peter Pan because I've read all three books. I oh, have, I'm gonna, I, we're gonna Peter Pan is gonna be a big one because we're oh, gonna have a lot yeah. to talk about. Because, well, okay, no, I don't. Uh, yeah, we no, can't no, talk about it, it yet. Save it, save we it. can't talk about it yet. 
I just is gonna build it off of a basis we have here with Alice. Um, but yeah, let's close the book here on Alice in Wonderland and uh, and move on. Um, so if you enjoy what you're hearing here, by the way, thank you for spending your time with us here this uh, whatever time of the day and or night it is you're listening to this. Um, if you're not subscribed to this, I would recommend you do it. It's Benview Network. BenviewNetwork.com slash Animusings is where you can download this. You are, we are also on the Apple Podcast, the Poison Apple Podcast, you know, <laughs> makes you go to sleep uh, for a thousand <laughs> years until your true love kisses you. Uh, then um, at Animusings Pod. At Animusings Pod on Twitter if you want to ask us any questions or bring up any points about future films we're talking about. Hey, if you want to join the discussion about Peter Pan, we will we will seriously look, look at your tweets and read them and oh, yeah. talk about them and raise points with them when we get into those. Um, so we don't hesitate. You can also email us. Yeah, we honestly, we are Disney geeks. Um, we love talking about Disney, <laughs> no. obviously. So our, our animation in general, if you want to talk about animation, please reach out to us. We will geek out with you. It'll so. be great. I mean, it's already worked out. We've had a lot of cool guests on the show as a result. Yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> um, so We might actually have guests for Peter Pan, too, oh, come that's to think of it. Right. But I don't want to say too much about that yet. It depends. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. So uh, until then... Um, well, uh, I think we need to go okay. celebrate your own birthday. Very merry on birthday to you. <laughs> that was delightful. Why won't you look at me? Why won't you look at me? No! I'm Aaron. I'm Brendan. I'm Brian. And I'm Rob. And we're the hosts of Faux Boys, the podcast about Doughboys, the podcast about chain restaurants. So, Aaron, what is Doughboys? Doughboys is this podcast hosted by Nick Weiger and Mike Mitchell, who are two hilarious comedians, where they talk about chain restaurants every single week. So, wait, what's Faux Boys, then? Faux Boys is a podcast hosted by Aaron, Brendan, Brian, and Rob, four hilarious comedians who talk about Doughboys, the podcast about chain restaurants. Are we going to go to the same chain restaurants that the Doughboys are going to? I sure hope so, but if we don't, we're still going to record an episode. Do they have chain restaurants in Canada? <laughs> Some of them. So tune in to Faux Boys, the podcast about Doughboys, the podcast about chain restaurants, on BenviewNetwork.com. Every two weeks to listen to Faux Boys, the podcast about the podcast about chain restaurants. Hey, does Feral Audio know we're doing this? This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.